Welcome to the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. On this podcast, you will feel empowered to release the feelings of shame, trauma, isolation, and sense of loss that can often come from a difficult marriage, painful breakup, and divorce. You will be given the insights and inspiration you need to love yourself fiercely, be sure of your worthiness, and to handle the challenges of post-divorce life with strength and humor. Hello, everyone. It is so nice to have you back today. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host for the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. And today is a titillating talks with Tiffany episodes. These are the episodes where I give you my musings, my thoughts, my ideas, just things that I've been thinking about. Today, I'm talking about a subject near and dear to my heart. And this subject is neurodivergent children. It's a it's a it's an absolutely fascinating topic and something I am so excited to talk with you guys about today. But before we do that, I have to read you a lovely, lovely review I just got on the episode, on the podcast. (laughs) And this just absolutely um, blew me away. And this is from a listener named Erin, and she gave us five stars. Thank you. And she titled it, Breath of Fresh Air, two exclamation points. I'm going to try to read this without crying because she brought tears to my eyes when I read it. (laughs) She says, how I wish this show existed when I got divorced 13 years ago. Tiffany is such a breath of fresh air. She truly brings hope to those walking through the pain of divorce. There's no man bashing. There's no woe is me mentality. Tiffany brings light, hope, and humor to those who are struggling. She helps her listeners see the light at the end of the tunnel. Tiffany truly hears and sees those being interviewed. She somehow knows how to draw the magic out of her guests so that their magic spreads to those listening. Every time I listen to an episode, I find myself thinking, I've never thought of it that way. I wish I had had this perspective when I got divorced. What a gift Tiffany is to this world. This show is for anyone who has been affected by divorce and its aftermath. I'm long past the pain of divorce, but I still treasure the goodness Tiffany brings into my life with this show each and every week. Two more exclamation points. Oh my goodness. You guys, you can see why that brought tears to my eyes. Thank you so much. Um, My whole goal with this podcast is to connect with you and let you know that you're not alone, to let you know that we're in this together and um, I've been there and there are other people that are going through the same things you're doing and you don't have to be alone and we can help each other through it. And my big mission is, is to just connect with you and, and help you to connect with others. And when you guys send me, uh, reviews such as that or DMs on my Instagram and tell me how the podcast affected you, tell me things that you want me to talk about. It truly touches my heart. I read each and every one and I I take the things you say and the things you ask for and the things you want to hear and 
I look for experts that can talk about those topics and I do some research on them and um, I bring them, bring those topics to the podcast. So thank you, everybody. Just thank you so much. <sighs> okay, let me gather myself together. All right. So the topic today is neurodivergent children being a single mom, single parenting neurodivergent children. And you may be saying, okay, okay, what is neurodivergent? Neurodivergent has to do with the brain, the way the brain works. We used to call brains that work differently disabled. Like we would call those kids disabled. And that's that's no longer the way we look at these children that have neurodivergent brains. So there are neurotypical brains, and those are children that are developing typically the in the the very large span and um, spectrum of typical development. There's there's a lot of space in that typical development. And then there's neurodiverse. And so neurodiverse brains are not on that typically developing spectrum. So these may be children that have autism spectrum disorder. And on the autism spectrum, there's a whole variety of um, spectrum places the children can go from high functioning to severe nonverbal uh, so there's a whole spectrum within autism. They may be students or children that have high anxiety to the point where it causes them to not be able to function in a healthy way. They may be children that have ADHD, especially severe ADHD, maybe OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, ED, um, emotional disturbance, emotional disorder, and um, even students that are very high on the gifted scale, that is also considered neurodiversity. And oftentimes those children are considered twice exceptional because usually extreme giftedness often also comes with some other um, neurodiversity in there, um, whether it's autism spectrum disorder or it's ADHD. So now that we know what neurodiversity is, um, we can see that it is a way of saying, okay, these brains are developing a little bit differently, but we're not calling them disabled because these are children that see the world in a different way. They don't experience the world in the same way typical children experience. And what this might mean is they are super hypersensitive to something or they... Um, they can get very fixated on certain things or some other challenge that that makes it that makes parenting these children different that normal parenting strategies just often don't work they also bring a lot of joy to your life. They help you as a parent to see things differently, to experience things differently, to have to slow down and stop and figure out your child and say, okay, what's going to work for them? Uh, there's nothing in my <laughs> parenting book says how to deal with this. So what's going to work? And so you have to really take the time to get to know your child at their core. 
So a couple weeks ago on episode 14, I had Megan Champion on. And Megan Champion is the mother of a neurodiverse child. And she's a teacher and she has a podcast called On the Hard Days and she's got a membership group for mothers called Mothers Together. And she and I had a really lovely, candid, open, emotional conversation about what it's like to be moms of neurodiverse children. And listeners, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. It is truly an episode from deep, deep, deep in my heart. I am the mom of two neurodivergent children. My oldest, who is now 16, is on the autism spectrum. He's severely ADHD. He has dyslexia. And part of his autism is um, there's something that happens on the spectrum of autism disorder and um, that sensory processing disorder. And that was very severe when he was young. And I'll talk in a minute about what life was like for him as a baby and toddler. My second son, who's now 10, is also neurodivergent. He has severe ADHD, very high anxiety, and we suspect obsessive compulsive disorder as well. He's only 10, so... We're hoping therapy and help and, and all of that can, can keep the OCD from ruling his life. So you can imagine being a single mom of two children with very special needs um, is challenging. It's very challenging. I'm not going to lie. I love my kids. Oh, I love my kids. So... While they are challenging, they've also been an incredible gift and have helped me to see the world in a completely different way. All right, let me give you some examples of what it's like to be the mom of a baby that has sensory processing disorder. We didn't find out he had autism until he's about five, although I knew almost from day one, that he had some special needs. No, I had a very, very difficult pregnancy, a life-threatening pregnancy for me. I was on bed rest for a good portion of the pregnancy, and he came a month early because um, I was not doing well. Uh, They were afraid for my life, and so they induced him. And when I started not doing well, he started not doing well. He stopped making amniotic fluid and um, was in some distress. And so he had to come out. And that was a really difficult beginning to a very difficult infancy and, and toddlerhood. He was a baby that nobody could hold but me. His dad couldn't hold him. His grandma couldn't hold him. He had feeding issues. He wouldn't eat properly. He wouldn't latch properly. When he was newborn, he couldn't even suck. We had to teach him how to suck, much less, you can imagine, latching on for breastfeeding was a challenge. Um, I I definitely had (laughs) a coach that I worked with for a long time to help him breastfeed properly. 
because nobody could touch him or hold him, it was all on me. And because he didn't eat properly, he was miserable. And it became very apparent by the time he was four months old that something was not right. He didn't want to touch anything. So he he wouldn't let his head, hands, or feet touch the ground. So if I laid him down, he would be in this, I called it like a a beetle bug position where his little arms and little legs would kick and he would have his head up. He didn't want anything touching the ground. So you can imagine, you know, he didn't want to roll. He didn't want to crawl. Thankfully, I went to my doctor when he was four months old and said, oh, please help. There is something. There's definitely something. Um, He listened to me. He gave me all the advice he possibly could. Um, He actually sent me to a specialist and we found a few ways to hold him that would make him feel good. And then by nine months, we knew we knew this was was pretty serious. And so he got assessed at nine months old and started getting occupational therapy, behavioral therapy. And um, you know, that was that was a lot of hours of that. <laughs> Um, when he got to school age, we added in vision therapy to that because of his dyslexia and, um, just a lot of things that came with that. So he was a a child that had a lot of therapy. In school, in kindergarten, he did get diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in kindergarten. And it was apparent he had a really rough, um, first few years of school lots of behavioral issues. He would be under the desk, kicking the wall, breaking pencils, ripping paper. He just had a really hard time with the noise of the classroom, with the, all the people around him. It made his sensory processing issues very extreme. And we didn't know it at the time, but he also had severe ADHD, which really added to it. Um, By fifth grade, we got him on ADHD meds, and I can't tell you just how he blossomed after that. He's now 16. He still has some challenges, but he's brilliant, and he's amazing, and he's responsible, and he's caring, and he's kind. He is now six foot two, 220 pounds, and wakes up in the morning and gives me a big giant bear hug and says, good morning, mama. And sometimes he'll come snuggle in the bed with me. He plays D-line on the varsity football team. He has been an AP, he's an AP calculus this year. He was an AP physics last year, AP world. Like he's a smart, smart kid. If you want to know anything about any car, ever made in the history of the world. He knows every detail. He can tell you the type of engine. He can tell you how much it would cost to keep that car up. He he knows everything. He can tell you who made the car, who designed the car. It, it's amazing. He amazes me. Every day he amazes me. My little guy, my 10-year-old, uh, hat, like I said, has severe ADHD and very, very high anxiety. And COVID was brutal on him, really brutal on him. He 
pretty much stopped eating. He was 10 years old and weighed 42 pounds, skin and bones, skin and bones. And it was the saddest thing. I, 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 I felt like I was watching my baby fade away before my eyes, um, terrified, terrified that I would lose him because he wasn't eating. And there was nothing, nothing, nothing I could do to make him eat. I tried making him milkshakes. I didn't care. Just have some calories, buddy. I'll make you a chocolate milkshake. Whatever you want, I'll make it for you. We tried everything in the books Every suggestion, we met with the doctor over and over and over again. We collaborated on it. We tried all kinds of things and nothing would work. And it finally got so severe that, you know, we brought in a lot of psychiatric help and and therapists and and MD and um, just he he was on a, a weekly weight check and I'm happy to say that all those interventions helped. And I think what I came to realize was that with COVID especially, but I just think in his world, he feels out of control in a lot of ways. And he feels like things are not in his control. I think the ADHD adds to this because he's not always in control of his body. He moves around a lot. He's very busy, very wiggly. He cannot sit still. He can't sit normal in a chair. And I think he just really felt out of control. And the not eating was something he could control, right? He he was in control of that. There was nothing anybody could do to make him eat. He didn't care. He did not care. And it was his control. And so with all of this therapy and all this talking, he and I got really, really close we developed a bond that I didn't know was possible. And we started talking about things that I didn't know you could talk about with with a 10-year-old. And we really connected. And he changed and he blossomed and he grew in front of my eyes. And yes, he started eating. And I'm happy to say he's put on probably 12 to 15 pounds. And oh, it makes my heart so happy. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because I want you to know that you're not alone. You being the single parent of a neurodiverse child, you're not alone. It it can feel extraordinarily isolating. It can feel so frustrating when you're out in public and your child is having a tantrum because their socks feel funny or they are making some sort of strange noise because they can't handle the vibration they're feeling in the room even though they're hearing a sound and a vibration that 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 you don't hear they're hearing it and they're freaking out and hands over their ears and and they're upset um it can feel really isolating because you feel like people look at you and 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 you just you just want your child to be okay. You just want your child to be okay. And you can feel a little bit like a failure as a mom. Like, am, am I the right mom for you? Like, what could I possibly do differently? 
you deserve somebody that can do this better. I just want you to be happy, buddy. I just want you to be happy and healthy and to feel good. And it's apparent when they are having these behaviors that they're not feeling good. And so I just want you to know, lovely mama, lovely listener that is having struggles and challenges, that you're you're not alone. And that navigating the world of neurodiverse children is is challenging. And there really is no rule book for it. There's no right way to do it. There's lots of wrong ways and you have no idea what the wrong way is until you hit it. <laughs> because the, like Megan said, she gave an example of the way she put the peanut butter on the waffle for her son, sent him in a two hour tantrum because she didn't put it on correctly. And that may sound ridiculous, but it's it's true. That's what happens. And if you are the parent of a neurodivergent child, you know, you know that's what happens. So from my heart to yours, I just want you to know that you are not alone and that this community, this love and life after divorce community is a safe place for you. And um, I get you. I understand you. I'm here for you. Um, come leave me a message on my DMs. I want to hear what you're going through. I want to hear what your challenges are. I want to hear how I can support you. What kind of experts would you like me to bring on the podcast to help you through these single parenting challenges? Or maybe now you're in a blended family. I mean, that brings a whole nother level of now you're bringing another adult in to who didn't know your child as a baby, who hasn't been through the whole process, and now they're meeting your child where they are now, and that can bring a whole nother level of challenge. And there may be other children that come into the blended family, and how is that going to work with your neurodiverse child? So know that you're not alone. Know that we're here to support you. Know that I'm going to be bringing experts on that can help you through all of this. And please know you can reach out to me anytime. Reach out. I I read every message I get. I respond to every message I get. It really means so much to me. Thank you, everybody. And if you want more support, we do have a membership community. And I'd love to have you in there. The The link is in the show notes. I, 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 I'm telling you, we want you in there. The membership com- community is a great place for you. And um, I, I would be so honored and so happy to be the person that stands by your side and helps make this whole process just a little bit easier. I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. If anything resonated with you in the podcast, I would love to hear about it. Please DM me on my Instagram at Tiffany Kane. Also, if this podcast makes you think of a friend that could benefit from hearing this message of support and empowerment, please share it with her. And remember, this podcast is sponsored by the Love and Life After Divorce Membership Group. We would be so thrilled to have you join. Have a beautiful day and remember... Of course, it's all about you. Hashtag self-love.